This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. WABC New York and 1071 WLIR Hampton Bays. It's the 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden. All the news you need to know with Joe Nolan, Traffic, Justin Ellick, Sports, Lou Dobbs, Business. And now, talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. Yeah, that's me. WABC News Time, 5 o'clock. Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 7th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Going to see some light snow this morning, uh, this morning, clearing this afternoon, the high 45. Tonight and overnight, clouds low 30, and then Wednesday, sunshine, high 48. If you are walking out with the door, or walking out the door, oh, God. I'm already making mistakes this early. If you are walking out the door with us right now, that's what I meant to say, and so happy you are. It is 35 and cloudy, so happy you are here. So much to get to. I have to chuckle because I heard. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. He's your numero uno. Caught the last couple minutes. Well, I caught a lot of the show of Frank's overnight show, The Other Side of Midnight. But uh, someone called in to say that the ladies love Noam. LL Cool Noam. But uh, I want to say to that lady, if you only saw me uh, in the flesh... You probably wouldn't love me that much. All right, if you are just waking up, you probably want to leave yourself a little bit of time, not here in the city, but just a few miles out where I am in Jersey City. Snow on the ground, snow on your windshield. You're going to need to clear it off, so give yourself some time to do that this morning and as you go further out. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. You might see some real snow and may have seen some real snow overnight. Streets are actually here completely fine, but just, uh, you know, a minute or two to clear off that windshield. All right, let's get into the headlines. The top five at five. The search is on for a bodega bandit. 
A Connecticut teacher has a lot of explaining to do. Some crazy moments in the air again. Is someone missing a pet python in Jersey City? And Americans spend a lot of time looking at themselves in the mirror. All right, let's get into it. 502. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The masked man who killed a beloved Upper East Side Manhattan bodega worker over the weekend with a gunshot to the head during a robbery held up another deli in another borough less than a half hour later. And police saying they think he's behind at least two other robberies in Brooklyn in the last two weeks. Each of us here grew up in this city. We know what the neighborhood bodega means. For some of us, it was like an extension of all living rooms. Yeah, a witness who had been in the store around 1130 uh, on Friday night when the shooting took place and escaped the terrifying scene telling police the gunman walked in in this full ensemble, kind of what you would wear if you were going to a painting job overall. So it was all white. But then he had this gigantic mask that covered most of his face. And that's what's happening in a fair amount of these robberies. These, these guys, you know, because of the pandemic, you can walk in with this mask all over your face. And uh, that's when he came in, guns a-blazing. He shot this guy, just got off. Half people as a condition of employment show their face. Remove their mask so that you know you're safe. Neighbors who knew this worker that was killed on the east side say the whole thing is just totally senseless. I'm very concerned about this. This is a real tragedy. This is like, you know, here you wouldn't think that somebody would be wandering around at 1130 at night to do this. I hate to tell you, it happens anywhere in the city now. The head of the United Bodega Union, Fernando Mateo, speaking out, saying... He knew to put you need to put signs or stickers in your window that tell people they have to take their mask down before they walk into your store. We're talking about all those people that hoodie up, that cover their entire face so that the police department cannot identify them when they commit a crime. And Mateo saying the police coming for you if you do harm to bodega workers. We invite them to come and work one day or one night in a bodega. And live what these people are living He's right. so that they understand that we are not trying to pick on anybody. We are just trying to get back home. Yeah, so into the store, mask down now instead of mask up, assuming you're even still wearing one at this point. WABC News Time 504. It's now two women that were killed at a rap concert in Rochester, New York on Sunday night. Let's get the latest now from WABC's Alex Barnard, who joins us live. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Noam. And yes, that is right. Police had initially responded to reports of gunfire at the Main Street Armony, uh, Armory excuse me, after the concert ended around 11 p.m. The massive swell apparently started when members of the crowd got word of others hearing what they believed to be gunshots. However, Rochester Police Chief David Smith refuted the reports of gunfire. As people began to exit, the crowd began to surge and rush toward the exit. There are some reports that shots were heard, causing the crowd to panic, but that has not been confirmed. 
Rochester Mayor Malik Evans called the stampede totally unacceptable. So the question will be, were the appropriate actions taken? Too early to say, but I will tell you um, that we have a history in my administration of holding venues accountable, and that will happen in this case once, once a thorough investigation is complete. One of the victims, 33-year-old Rondesia Belton, was pronounced dead at the hospital early Monday morning, while the second victim, a 35-year-old woman who remains nameless at this time, passed away late Monday evening. A third woman remains in critical condition, and seven more people were treated for non-life-threatening injuries. The concert's headliner, Grammy-nominated Memphis-born rapper Glorilla, took to Twitter an hour after the stampede occurred, saying she's, quote, praying everybody is okay. WABC's Alex Barnard. Alex, uh, so there were no shots fired. People just thought shots were fired, and that's why they tried to race out of this venue? That's correct. Yeah, there was apparently, maybe there must have been something that sounded like gunfire in the area, but uh, people... People panicked. I mean, that's what happens when uh, when there's a miscommunication, I guess, right? I, I was talking to one of my kids last night, and he says there's a number of rappers that use gunshots in their music. So when you go to see them in concert, you know, you hear this gunshot firing off. So I don't know if that was the case here, but uh, he was not totally shocked to hear this. Well, I mean, it's kind of like when you're driving and, you know, you're listening to uh, the song... Uh, breaking the law by Judas Priest, and you hear the cop sirens in the background, and you're thinking, oh, my God, am I getting pulled over right, <laughs> right now? Right. You know, Just god-awful story. Uh, Alex Barnard, thank you very much. WABC News Time 509. Let's go out to Long Island. You heard about this plane crash out on Long Island on Sunday. We know a whole lot more details today. One person killed, two others injured after the small plane crashed into a neighborhood, Lindenhurst, Long Island, FAA says three people on board this privately owned single-engine Piper PA-28. The plane had taken off from Republic Airport for a sightseeing tour. This mom and her daughter had bought tickets on Groupon for the tour. And uh, this 23-year-old was behind the controls, Faisal Chowdhury. He issued a May Day signal right, right soon after the plane took off. Yeah, so they gave him clearance to, you know, return to the airport. He did not make it. He crashed into this neighborhood about 300 feet south of the LIRR tracks. Police racing to the scene. Definitely could have been a lot worse. As you see, it's a very large residential area. To my knowledge, they were pulled from the plane from civilian. Uh, I don't know how many or who, but uh, it was they were pulled from the plane by a civilian. So the 23-year-old pilot is licensed, uh, certified flight instructor from the Bronx. He suffered burns to 75% of his body. The two passengers, 63-year-old mom identified as Roma Guptup. She's from White House Station, New Jersey. She was killed in the crash. And her 33-year-old daughter, Riva Gupta, who bought the tickets for the tour, she is in critical condition at Stony Brook University Hospital. Of course, we're hoping for the best for the two who are injured in that crash. A staff member in Connecticut at a school, an elementary school, arrested 
after police say a fifth grade student lost consciousness when she demonstrated a chokehold maneuver on him. Now, why a teacher would be doing this in a classroom is not clear. 50-year-old Stephanie Sanabria was working as a math coach at Brookside Elementary when officials say she performed the martial arts move on three students. One of them, though, passed out. I guess the chokehold was that strong. Letting us know that a staff member there, a math coach, had rendered one of the students uh, unconscious. Didn't regain consciousness, uh, it says the report's within seconds. The, so the investigation is still ongoing. We're not sure exactly why she decided to do that. That's the police in Connecticut. After the student lost consciousness, the school nurse immediately treated the child. They're okay, but again, why are you putting kids into chokeholds in the middle of class? Not clear. An arrest warrant issued for Santa Bria. She was arrested at her home. She, By the way, she quit. Uh, she just uh, quit pretty much on the spot, said she knew she had done something wrong. Parents at Brookside, you know, pretty surprised by the whole episode. Clearly, I don't think she knew what she was doing. I mean, if she did, I don't think she would have intentionally choked them out. It's scary, you know, to think it could have been my child or someone else's child that I know. Senabria expected to be in court on Friday. Okay, let's go out to Brooklyn now. Cops still looking for a hit-and-run driver involved in a horrific crash in Brooklyn that killed a single mother of six kids, left one of her sons in the hospital. we got to find the dope behind this wheel. Tamika Richards, a mother of six, 41 years old, she is uh, crossing the street at West 24th and Mermaid Avenue when she sees a car barreling towards her and her son. She pushes her son out of the way. They both get hit, but she took the brunt and was killed. That driver, they didn't wait to see what happened. They drove off. My younger sister's got to grow up without a parent now. Just turn yourself in. She was amazing. She was a warrior. She was a soldier. She would do anything for anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. She would give you her last. Mm -hmm. That's the type of person she was. 18-year-old Raycon Parker, who was with her, uh, his mom at the time, in the hospital, critical condition. He doesn't even know yet that his mom has passed away. He's supposed to have surgery today. Again, they were crossing Mermaid West 24th Street. This was about 9 p.m. Again, the driver did not pull over. Still looking for him at this hour. I want to know who killed my sister. I just want to hold him for just a few seconds. Just hold him. The more you run, the more you're hurting everybody else. We just want justice for my mother. And the truth is, they always do. 99% of the time, the cops are so good. They'll catch up with this guy. Stay at the scenes. The accidents sometimes happen. Maybe this guy was drunk. We don't know what the scoop is. It's always better when you pull over. WABC News Time 514. Telling you about this fire that took place in the Bronx. Start by an ion battery from an e-bike. The owner of the laundromat, it was a supermarket and laundromat that they were completely destroyed on Sunday. A e-bike had been parked in the back of it, probably a third-rate battery. We don't know that for sure yet, but it caught fire, and the supermarket and laundromat burned to the ground really quickly. I mean, by the time the firefighters got there, this thing was fully engulfed. There wasn't much they could do. Seven people injured in all. We are doing a full story on these batteries. If you go surf on over to WA. 
bbcradio.com. We give you detail by detail of which batteries are safe, when it's safe to plug it in, and whether you should keep your e-bike outside or inside. It's on our front page, wabcradio.com. But uh, yesterday, the owner of the laundromat speaking out about this fire. I thought it was under control when I got here. And... Um I think there was just the fire department was just, just as shocked as I was that it just went out of control. In yeah, the meantime, the city and fire commissioner asking for more vigilance to try and prevent similar fires from lithium-ion batteries, which have caused more than 200 fires in the city over the last year. That's just a crazy number. Again, if you want more details, maybe you're an e-bike fan, you're not sure whether you have the right one, we have more details at wabcradio.com. WABC News Time now, 515. Let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk, where we say good morning to Justin Ellick. Good morning, Justin Ellick. Good morning, no. Late and happy Tuesday morning, and uh, we start here with some news out of the NFL. The Jets' quarterback sweepstakes no longer include ex-Raiders QB Derek Carr, who agreed yesterday to a four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints. Carr's deal is worth $150 million over four years, with guaranteed money through 2024. His contract also includes a no-trade clause per a league source. After the Raiders cut Carr ahead of the February 15th deadline, the Jets were among three teams, including the Saints and Carolina Panthers, to have pursued the 31-year-old for several weeks. The focus for New York seemingly now shifts to Aaron Rodgers, who has yet to make a decision on where he'll suit up next season. And out west in Seattle, the Seahawks and quarterback Geno Smith agreed to a three-year $105 million contract, which includes $52 million in the first year. The 32-year-old Smith was one of the biggest surprises of the 2020 NFL season, earning a Pro Bowl nod and the league's Comeback Player of the Year award after spending most of the past seven seasons as a backup and out of the NBA. More developing news stemming from the John Morant strip club incident. Colorado police said yesterday that they are investigating Morant's actions from the weekend after the Memphis Grizzlies star posted an Instagram live video in which he displayed what appeared to be a gun while at a nightclub. The, the Glendale police department confirmed the incident took place at a bar in Glendale, Colorado. The department said it is investigating whether Morant might have broken any gun laws. And looking ahead to local action tonight, Knicks go for 10 straight wins at 7.30 p.m. when they welcome in the Charlotte Hornets, while the Nets will try and keep rolling at 8 p.m. in Houston against the Rockets. On the ice, the Islanders get set for a 7.30 p.m. puck drop at home against the Buffalo Sabres, and the Devils get going a bit earlier at 7 p.m. when they welcome in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. So much more to get to on this Tuesday morning. We'll give you the latest on those four Americans who were kidnapped in Mexico and the surprising place where a four foot long python was found. That and more coming up. But first at 519, let's take a check of Wall Street with Lou Dobbs. This is the 77 WABC Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Investors pulling back ahead of key economic updates and Fed testimony. Stocks finished mixed yesterday. The Dow Jones Industrials finishing 40 points higher, extending its win streak to four days. Dick Sporting Goods headlining retail earnings. Quarterly revenue forecast higher. City downgraded the stock line Last week, investors looking for positive guidance from Dix. Fed Chair Jerome Powell on Capitol Hill today and tomorrow. Recent economic data shows prices inching higher. Powell still says the Fed's tightening is the best way to get inflation down to 2%. Consumer credit forecast up $20 billion in January. More households taking on credit card debt as inflation persists. Please join me several times each weekday right here. 
on 77 WABC. This is the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. Keep listening for more to 77 WABC for the Lou Dobbs Financial Report. WABC News Time 520. One warning I've given you over the years is if they're scaffolding up, walk to the other side of the street. I can't tell you how many reports we get in from police and fire about that scaffolding falling over. So always be careful. Look up before you go under it. And now New York City officials introducing a plan to prevent scaffolding from staying up too long. There's a plan on the works to remove those building scaffolds which seem to be up forever. It is a blight on our neighborhood. Manhattan Borough President Mark Levine says there are more than 4,000 so-called sidewalk sheds up in his borough alone, most of which stay up for an average of 240 days. His plan to shed the sheds relies on a low-interest loan fund so landlords can quickly make repairs, streamline construction permits, and impose costly fines for neglected projects. I'm Bob Brown for 77 WABC News. New York City aiming to improve air quality by phasing out one of its highest pollutant fuels. Mayor Adams yesterday signing a law to speed up phasing out fuel number four, especially in environmentally disadvantaged neighborhoods. We want to continue to lean and identify these areas as we clean up our entire city but really focus on those areas that are in greater need. Councilman James Gennaro sponsoring a bill says 25% of New York City public schools still burn fuel number four, along with roughly 3,000 other buildings. New York City phased out the dirtiest fuel number six more than a decade ago. Now the goal is to phase out fuel number four by 2027. Those buildings will phase out number four from 2024 through 2027. And the bill has a penalty structure for noncompliance that says we mean business. WABC News Time 522. We are known here in New York City for having some of the best tasting tap water in the nation. We've won awards after awards, year after year. It's, it's uh, why some say our bagels and pizzas can't be beat. But for the next two weeks... It may have a slightly different taste. The uh, Department of Environmental Protection increases the amount of water that's coming now from 12 reservoirs upstate Westchester and Putnam County. That's where we get our water from. It's part of prep work that's being done on a new aqueduct. And so that'll be done soon. And so they're just doing out the final phases of this. So we're getting water and mixtures of water that we've never gotten before. So it'll be interesting to, if you're somebody who drinks from the tap still, there's not a lot of you do, you might notice a different flavor just for the next two weeks, they say, by the mid of March, the middle of March. They say it'll go back to the way it has always tasted. Out to uh, Jersey City, New Jersey. I laugh because uh, can you imagine walking into your apartment and, uh, you know, after a long day's work and you go to open the refrigerator and out from underneath your refrigerator slithers out a four foot long pet python. That happened in the Newport section of Jersey City yesterday. The snake coming out into the apartment. You can imagine the neighbors are freaking out in this apartment. Pretty shocking. Neighbors say they're glad that snake didn't end up in their apartment. There's a lot of kids here. Yeah. Would not be safe. Not be safe. In- yeah. <laughs> I would be scared. Yeah, I'd be scared too. The yellow snake was handed over to the Liberty Humane Society. They describe it as a reptile that's a hybrid of a West African ball python and... They say it's not that dangerous to humans. But, of course, you don't know that when this four-foot thing comes into your apartment. It's a domestic pet snake 
who unfortunately found themselves in the wrong place and the wrong apartment. Yes, yeah, so somebody came in, animal control, to collar, grab, whatever you do with the snake, and they brought it over to Liberty Humane Society. They have been, though, one of those species and exotics, pets that have traveled the globe and are now routinely bred for legally uh, in New Jersey, as well as many other states in the U.S. So the thought is, this is one of those very tall apartment buildings in Newport that you can see from the New York side, right on the water. The thought is, this is owned by somebody in the building. I mean, it didn't just come from nowhere, but so far nobody's come forward to claim it. Liberty Humane says if nobody comes in the next couple of weeks, they'll put that snake up for adoption. So if you're looking for a four-foot-long python who's now been named Banana, give the Liberty Humane Society a call. They'll put you on the list. WABC News Time 525 down to South Carolina. You knew that jurors in that high-profile double murder trial of Alex Murdaugh would uh, start speaking out soon, and they have. Witness testimony was very believable, and the kennel video definitely played a major part in his testimony. Yeah, Murdoch, uh, they say these jurors should have never taken the stand. They say that's why it was easy to find him guilty. It may have been a combination of things, not just the financial, but... Everything was weighing heavy on him. And some of these jurors say their friends, of course, were at home watching this on TV. And they say it was hard not to talk to anybody except fellow jury members at the end about what was going on on the stand and during this trial. A lot of my friends were very respectful. They didn't try to reach out. You know, they didn't want to talk about the case because they knew I couldn't. So I think afterwards, you know, as soon as the verdict came out, everybody was kind of just kind of send me messages. Of course, Murdoch found guilty of killing his wife and one of his sons will spend the rest of his life behind bars. We already know that he's a lawyer. He's able to be emotional with cases. He's able to be emotional with himself. He knows, like what she said, when to turn it on and off. So I think that we were kind of able to read right through that. It is interesting how we turn these jurors into celebrities post-trial. But everybody, of course, wanted to hear from them because this was one of those sensational trials that seemed like the whole nation was watching. The um, this juror says this was what sealed the deal for her in the Murdoch trial. When he got on the stand, I was like, okay, so it was him. You know, I don't know him, so I never, you know, knew his voice, but I realized it was him. And in the kennel video, that just kind of sealed the deal. Yeah, the video. He wanted to have control of everything, you know, and um, his wife owned the majority of the things that they owned. They had some thinking it was more like greed. We got so much more to get to. I'm just getting started on this Tuesday morning. We're also we're going to hear more about this whole controversy over the whales. More people weighing in about what to do to save these whales. So many of them have died or been hit by ships over the last uh, year or so. And people behaving really badly in the air. Another story of someone just going crazy on an airplane. It's like your worst fear come true. We'll get into those stories and more. WABC News Time is 529. The 77 WABC News Hour. Talking the news with Noah Layden on 77 WABC. Talking the news with Noah on 77 WABC. This is the 77 WABC News Hour with Noah Layden. Yep, that's me. WABC News Time 531. Good morning. It is Tuesday, March 7th. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Might see some light snow this morning, clearing this afternoon, high 45. Tonight, overnight clouds, low 30, and then 
Wednesday sunshine, high 48. If you are walking out the door with us right now and so happy you are, it's 35 and cloudy. You might have some snow to clear off your car if you're in the surrounding suburbs this morning. Some snow on the street. Nothing terrible, though, driving-wise. Just wet streets, but you need a few extra minutes. Took me some. I had to take the brush out and get the snow off this morning. The whales. There have been so many of these whale deaths, and I feel like we've spoken about this a lot, but we haven't really gotten anywhere, and maybe that'll be the case with this as well. But there are more and more lawmakers in New Jersey who are asking that these wind farms that are being built out in the ocean off the East Coast be monitored more closely to see if that's what's scaring these whales or making these whales do things where they are running into these ships and being killed. And it seems that makes sense. So it takes some time to look at what these wind farms might be doing. There's no scientific information to suggest that that survey equipment is having negative impacts on large baleen whales like humpback whales. Yeah, that's Kim Damon Randall of the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. They say they've done a study. They say these wind farms have nothing to do with it. But there have been 25 East Coast whale deaths since December, mostly humpbacks, with most of the strandings occurring off the Jersey Shore, a few out on Long Island. So you have the mayor of uh, Seaside Park, the mayor of Point Pleasant saying, well, can't we just you know, maybe cease doing this work on these wind farms for a little while just to see if things change? But nobody is willing to do that. Of course, millions of dollars have been poured into this project off the East Coast and millions to be made by a lot of people. So they're hesitant to do that. The best thing that voters can do to protect these large whales is to slow their vessels down. Yeah, so they claim a fair amount of these whales have been hit by ships and that's what's done them in. But has something happened at these wind farms that has sent them into the directions of these ships or moved them closer to shore? I think it's worth studying, but it doesn't look like that's going to happen. WABC News Time 533. A U.S. official confirming gunmen attacked and kidnapped four American citizens in northeastern Mexico over the weekend. White House Press Secretary Corinne Jean-Pierre says the Biden administration has been monitoring the situation. These sorts of attacks are unacceptable. Our thoughts are with the families of these individuals, and we stand ready to provide all appropriate consular assistance. CNN reports it was a case of mistaken identity. The group traveling to a border city for medical procedures. An innocent Mexican citizen was also killed in the incident. This according to the U.S. ambassador to Mexico. The departments of state and homeland security are also coordinating with Mexican authorities. And we will continue to coordinate uh, with Mexico and push them for, uh, to bring those responsible to justice. Correspondent Gabe Kuteris has more on the four who were kidnapped. They were apparently from South Carolina but had a rental car with North Carolina plates and had crossed the border into Mexico from Texas. And those family members are now pleading for their safe return. Don't know a lot more than that at this hour. FBI, though, offering $50,000 for the return of, of the victims and arrests of those suspects. President Biden vowing to always support the nation's firefighters. I promise you. You've had my back and I'll have yours. Speaking at the International Association of Firefighters, Biden pledged to be the most pro-labor president, told the crowd he'll continue to push to protect the right of collective bargaining. He also called for safer alternatives to protective gear, which contain toxic so-called forever chemicals. Too many of you are dealing with cancer from chemicals and toxins on the job and in your gear. It's wrong. Biden, by the way, the first sitting president in more than two decades to address this firefighters union, which, of course, 
makes you think more and more that he's going to run for another four years. job's about a lot more than a paycheck. It's about your dignity. That's why I fight so damn hard to protect your right to collective bargaining. It hasn't snowed a lot here. But boy, has California got just socked. Southern California, where they're just not used to the snow, waiting to be rescued. A lot of people, after two strong snowstorms, have trapped them in their homes for several days. This is up in the mountains. Mountain residents in San Bernardino County remain cut off under several feet of snow. There's more snow on the way, by the way. We're a small rural county located right at the southern gate in Yosemite. And since January, we've had just six major storms progressively slam our county and really severely strain our resources. These are places where they get snow once in a while, but they're not used to this kind of thing. And they don't have the hardware, the equipment, the trucks to clear the way the snow like we do here on the East Coast. And now another storm is bearing down in this part of Southern California. We have road crews out there working all night, all day. We have about 350 miles of roadway that we're trying to keep uh, clear. It's pretty dangerous out there. It is pretty wild when Southern California has gotten a lot more snow than we have here on the East Coast. WABC News Time 538. Let's go out to Ohio. Officials there claim there are no safety concerns following a second train derailment in Ohio. Of course, you had that one in East Palestine back on February 3rd. There are hazmat crews in Springfield, Ohio, where this derailment took place. The NDSB, uh, NTSB chair, Jennifer uh, Hammondy, says some rail cars were carrying hazardous materials. But none of them breached, and so there wasn't a spill of hazardous materials. You might not be surprised that people surrounding these tracks uh, don't necessarily believe what the NTSB is telling them. Uh, she added, though... That this is, of course, the second derailment in Ohio with moving hazardous materials through Ohio. But she says the this case, there's been no seepage like there was in East Palestine. If you look at uh, rail transportation, whether it's freight or passenger, it is uh, far less dangerous than uh, moving these materials on our nation's roads. But it hasn't felt that way over the last couple of weeks. WABC News Time 540. A man charged now with trying to stab a flight attendant on a flight from L.A. to Boston. They took a broken spoon and stabbed the flight attendant with the broken spoon. So where's the Homeland Security with the gun? Because I'm waiting for them to point the gun at me so I can show everybody that I won't die when I take every bullet in that clip to wherever in my body they shoot it. And then I will kill every man on this plane. Can you imagine having this freak on your flight? Uh, You'd be freaking out a little bit. Apparently, they tried to open the exit door as well. Federal prosecutors say happened on the United Airlines flight Sunday after this person tried to open an emergency door. The 33-year-old Massachusetts man tackled by other passengers. No one on the flight was hurt. And uh, he was taken into custody when the plane landed in Boston. But face. And then you had this uh, bird strike. It is believed to be the cause of a frightening incident on a flight to Fort Lauderdale Hollywood International Airport. Reporter Tom Costello says the Southwest Airlines flight out of Cuba had to return to Havana after what took place. Hitting the nose of the of the plane as well as the engine itself. And it appears that caused uh, an engine explosion. 
Of course, that was the, the miracle on the Hudson, right? It was a bird strike as well. The airline says the bird hit the engine shortly after takeoff. The cabin filled with smoke as oxygen masks dropped from their overhead compartments. Thankfully, everybody aboard that flight okay. And while we're talking flights, the Transportation Department taking steps now to make flying smoother for families traveling with children 13 and younger. American Airlines, Alaska Airlines, and Frontier Airlines have stepped forward to guarantee that parents can sit with their young children without getting nickel and dimed. Yep, you know, normally you have to pay for each one of those tickets, and of course it's like 70 bucks, 100 bucks, whatever, for the seat. And if you have young kids, boy, that adds up very quickly. So now if you have kids 13 and younger, you'll be able to sit with them at having to pay for it. White House Press Secretary Carrie Jean-Pierre says the Department of Transportation rolling out an online dashboard that will allow passengers to see which airlines will seat kids with their parents at no extra cost. The Department of Transportation rolled out a new family seating dashboard. I think I just said that, didn't I? Highlighting which airlines guarantee fee-free family seating and those that don't. The online dashboard will allow passengers to see which airlines let you do this. The dashboard makes it easier for parents to avoid these junk fees. And we're not stopping there. DOT is working towards making this a requirement across the board. We told you last week that the SNAP benefit that lots of low-income families, 30 million of them, got during the pandemic, an extra $95 a month, went away as of March 1st. And the thought was is that there might be more families showing up at food pantries because that was the $95 that was sort of keeping them going, putting food on the table. And sure enough, we're hearing from food banks across the country that, yes, over the last week, they've seen more families show up now that that benefit has been taken away. Food is a leader in inflationary rates today. And so that's really impacting our families that rely on federal support, such as the SNAP program. Yeah, $95 it was, but for some of these families, it was all the difference in the world. We're doing the very best that we can to provide food to our partner agencies uh, to help those families, and uh, this SNAP uh, reduction is really going to hit our families hard. Talking to a food bank in Hoboken, New Jersey yesterday, they say they always have a lot of people showing up who are hungry or don't have a place to live, but they say, yeah, uh, now you're seeing people who are employed who are showing up at their food bank, that $95 being a huge difference to them. This is a wild story out of Texas. Phil Collins, you know Phil Collins from Genesis, the drummer? Great singer. A, he is one of the biggest collectors of Alamo artifacts in the world. Why he became this, I don't know. But um, he has now donated his collection, which is considered to be the biggest Alamo-oriented collection in the world, to a museum in San Antonio where the Alamo is. We have over 4,000 objects in our collection now. And we've only ever been able to put 1% of the collection on display. That's crazy. Who, who knew he was collecting this stuff? Where do you get it? I guess he bought it from collectors. The collection includes a rifle used by Davy Crockett and an original Bowie knife. Collins amassed the collection using money he made from touring. He said uh, instead of cars or houses, he bought items from the Texas Revolution, Re, uh, Re, uh, Revolution rather, which has now been donated. The Alamo Trust director, Kate Rogers, says they've only been able to display a percentage of their treasures until now since uh, Phil Collins has donated these items. It gives us 10,000 square feet of exhibition space, increasing our current space by fivefold.
So tourists to San Antonio will see things they never saw before, thanks to rocker Phil Collins. Who knew? You'll get to see the full 300-year history of the Alamo come to life through the stories of the objects inside. Yeah, interesting. 5.45 now. Uh, let's head over to the 77 WABC Sports Desk. And here's Justin Ellen. Thanks, Gnome. We begin with news here out of the NFL. The Jets quarterback sweepstakes no longer include ex-Raiders QB Derek Carr, who agreed yesterday to a four-year contract with the New Orleans Saints. Carr's deal is worth $150 million over four years with guaranteed money through 2024. His contract also includes a no-trade clause per league source. After the Raiders cut Carr ahead of the February 15th deadline, the Jets were among three teams, including the Saints and the Carolina Panthers, to have uh, pursued the 31-year-old for several weeks. The focus for New York seemingly now shifts to Aaron Rodgers, who is yet to make a decision on where he'll suit up next season. Out west in Seattle, the Seahawks and quarterback Geno Smith agreed to a three-year, $105 million contract, which includes $52 million in the first year. The 32-year-old uh, Smith was one of the biggest surprises of the 2022 NFL season, earning a pro ball nod and the league's comeback player of the year award after spending most of the past seven seasons as a backup. And out of the NBA, more developing news stemming from the John Morant strip club incident. Colorado police said yesterday that they are investigating Morant's actions from the weekend after the Memphis Grizzlies star posted an Instagram live video in which he displayed what appeared to be a gun while at the nightclub. The Glendale Police Department confirmed the incident took place at a bar in Glendale, Colorado. The department said it is investigating whether Morant might have broken any gun laws. And looking ahead to local action tonight, the Knicks are back on the floor. They go for their 10th straight win at 7.30 p.m. when they welcome in the Charlotte Hornets. While the Nets, they'll try and keep rolling as well at 8 p.m. in Houston against the Rockets. On the ice, the Islanders get set for 7.30 p.m. puck drop at home against the Buffalo Sabres. And the Devils get going a bit earlier at 7 p.m when they welcome in the Toronto Maple Leafs. Here with sports, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. WABC News Time 549. Let's catch you up on some of the big stories of the morning. The biggest one is the search for this bodega murderer. He went into a bodega on the east side over the weekend, shot and killed a bodega worker. The same guy who wears a mask and looks like he is a painter, he's wearing painting clothes, has robbed at least three other bodegas over the last two weeks, and police desperately want to find him. Each of us here grew up in this city. We know what the neighborhood bodega means. For some of us, it was like an extension of our living rooms. He wears a dark mask to conceal his face. That has police again telling store owners to tell their customers to drop their mask if they're wearing one still when they walk into the store. People as a condition of employment show their face, remove their mask so that you know you're safe. And neighbors who knew this worker who was killed on the east side say the whole thing is just completely senseless. I'm very concerned about this. This is a real tragedy. This is like, you know, here you wouldn't think that somebody would be wandering around at 1130 at night to do this. It happens everywhere. Fernando Mateo, who's head of the United Bodega Union, saying bodega workers have to be better protected. We're talking about all those people that hoodie up that cover their entire face so that the police department cannot identify them when they commit a crime. Yeah, if you're a bodega worker and you see somebody like this walk into your store with the mask up covering most of their face, I think you instantly think you're probably in for trouble. Mateo says that's true as well. We invite them to come and work one day or one night in a bodega and live what these people are living so that they understand that we are not trying to pick on anybody. We are just trying to get back home. Yeah. 
One person uh, killed, uh, two others injured. Now we know a little more information on that airplane that crashed into Lindenhurst, Long Island, Sunday afternoon. It was a mom and her daughter who were on a tour. They had gotten the tour on Groupon. It was a 23-year-old at the controls of that flight. Here was his mayday call when smoke went into the cockpit, and he asked for an emergency landing at an airport right nearby, Republic Airport. And now we know that aircraft turned back towards the airport, did not make it, landed in a neighborhood backyard in Lindenhurst. Thankfully, nobody on the ground hurt, but one person killed on the plane. Definitely could have been a lot worse. As you see, it's a very large residential area. To my knowledge, they were pulled from the plane from civilian. Uh, I don't know how many or who, but uh, it was they were pulled from the plane by a civilian. 23-year-old pilot, licensed, uh, 75% of his body burned from this crash. 63-year-old woman, Roma Gupta from White House Station, New Jersey, was just out for a fun day with her 33-year-old daughter. She was killed. The 33-year-old is in critical condition at a nearby hospital. WABC News Time. Let's move on to something lighter. 552. Why do we have an obsession of looking at ourselves in the mirror? There's a new study out using a global survey of over 93,000 people in 93 countries. A team finds that one of the reasons that we look at ourselves in the mirror so often is fairly obvious. People want to look good to attract a lover or they want to look good in the workplace in the digital age you want to look good when you put your pictures up on social media but uh, the average american according to the study looks at themselves for four hours a day over the course of a 24-hour period i i can't do i look at myself that much i was trying to imagine four hours i mean if i use the bathroom yeah i'll look in the mirror Four hours seems like a lot. So we took this question to the pulse of the people, as Bob Brown does a few times a week right here on 77 WABC. And we asked you, is four hours a lot of time to spend looking at yourself in the mirror? Do you spend a lot of time in front of the mirror? Um, maybe in the morning, maybe about 45 minutes in the morning. And I that's pretty much it for the day? Maybe once then or twice in the afternoon, yeah, right? Then maybe at nighttime after a shower. Hours would be a little too much, maybe, right? I think that's a little excessive, but yeah, okay. each to their own. I don't have no time to look at, even to myself. <laughs> I don't have no time for that. Maybe five minutes, right? No, not even that. No, no, even that. Right. No, even that. No, no. <laughs> you know, they didn't separate this by men or women. They said that men and women were four hours a day. But that guy, you know, he's like me. You look once, twice. You get a little disgusted with yourself, and then you walk away from the mirror. Go to work, don't even look in the mirror. No. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I cannot believe that. You look at yourself in the mirror four hours a day? Uh, four. No, no, no. four hours. Okay. <laughs> that's a long that's time. A lot, right? Yeah, that's a very long time. No, definitely not. I'm going to go maybe maybe 30 minutes between hair dry, makeup, brush teeth at night, wash face, wash my I'm going to go 30 minutes. Tops. That sounds like an average, 30 minutes, right? Once in the morning, a little in the afternoon, maybe? Is that combined with the uh, Maybe, like, just for flossing after lunch. <laughs> okay. 30 minutes seems reasonable. Four hours seems ridiculous. Ridiculous. Joe Malisi, he works here at 77 WABC. Boy, this guy is a movie freak, and I mean that in the nicest way. He knows everything about film. And so now he's going to do a regular bit right here on the uh, 77 WABC News Hour, where he review moves, move, reviews movies. And, of course, this weekend is Oscars weekend, so he's taking a look each day at Oscar movies. Today, it's The Whale. Today, we're going to be talking about The Whale, starring Brendan Fraser and Sadie Sink. 
This movie was devastating and heartbreaking, but also really beautiful. If I could describe it in one word, it would be raw, and I think that that's something we have been severely lacking in film. Over the last 15 years or more, there has been so much stuff, which I'm completely fine with and I do enjoy, but it's all been so filtered and produced with all these characters and locations. The Whale has six characters and one apartment, and has told one of the most compelling stories I've seen in years. Is it the best movie I've ever seen? No. But do I think it's one of the most important movies of this year? Without a doubt in my mind. You can read more in my article on WABCRadio.com. But for now, I'm Joe Malisi with Cinema in 60 Seconds. Yeah, I thought Brandon Fraser was great in that movie and might, might be the reason to go out or go rent it uh, uh, at home and see it. Down to uh, uh, to uh, down to Southern Florida, Key West. That's where I want to go, where they had the conch shell competition to see who can play the best music on a conch shell. Conch shell, the big thing, of course, down in Key West. I guess that's everybody. That's everybody playing their conch shell at the same time. This is an annual competition they do every year. Some played notes from hit songs like Elvis Presley's Hound Dog. Uh, judges graded performers on everything from sound quality to loudness and duration. Brian Cardis of Georgia took the men's division title this year. The conch shell has long been considered a symbol, of course, of the keys. Uh, let's see. This guy's playing Hound Dog with a conch shell. You ain't nothing but a hot If you've never been to Key West, of course, this fits right into what goes on there. Just complete craziness. I guess let's listen to the winner. Again, this is Brian Cardis of Georgia sharing a few of his favorite notes. You sort of have to just buzz your lips when you're blowing into this, and so it's not blowing straight air. You have to make a noise with your lips. In order to generate the sound. Oh, this is where I guess we don't have a bite of him, his winning music, but we do have this one. Just about a minute away from Sid and Friends in the Morning. Let's find out what's happening on today's show. Here's Justin Ellick. Thanks, Noam. Just a couple of minutes out here, your Tuesday morning edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning. We've got Andrew Giuliani back in studio. So we're just about ready to go here. But first, bottom of each hour, you don't want to miss the 77 WABC minicast clip of the day. Today featuring the Dominic Carter Show. And then 940 this morning, your Tuesday morning edition of the Peerless of Boilers Sid's Take Contest. And then in the way of guests today... 7.40 this morning, Bo Deedle coming on back for his Tuesday, his weekly Tuesday morning hit with Sid. 8.25 this morning, some nuggets with Gnome Layden. 8.40, Sid's uh, daughter, Ava Rosenberg, calling in from Wales. How about that? And 9.05 this morning, wrapping things up, the great New York Post columnist, columnist I should say, Michael Goodwin. So, here we go. About 20 seconds out, and we're ready to do it. Sounds like another great show. Thank you for joining us during this 5 o'clock. Always happy to be here. Always happy to have you here. We'll do it all over again Wednesday morning. But don't go anywhere now. Sid and friends in the morning, they are up next.